on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jan Price Show, and today my guests are award-winning filmmakers Anne Flatte and Marlon Johnson, and they were the co-directors on a brand-new documentary called River City Drumbeat. Welcome to the show, Anne and Marlon. Thanks for having me. Thank it's you a pleasure. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure having you on. This, uh, this, this again. Uh, this is a very timely uh, documentary. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago to Don Porter when um, her her documentary John Lewis uh, Good Trouble premiered on July third, and I said to her, "This was very, very timely." And as I was watching your film, I was thinking about uh, John Lewis and his. Um, extraordinary career but uh his but he's left us all with and i saw in the credits that don porter was involved in your film do you want to tell us a little bit about how she was involved in your movie Anne? well um we were really fortunate to have a, a residency um with sf film society film house in san francisco for a year uh, when we were editing the film and working on it um, and Don was one of several mentors who participated in that mentorship program for about 30 filmmakers, both narrative and documentary, who are supported by this program. So we were so fortunate um, to have the great advice of Don and many other people who are really wonderful filmmakers. Um, and I often say that the encouragement that we received during that residency was really critical to the film uh, becoming the film that it was, that it is. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Marlon, uh, just so our listeners know, do you want to tell, uh, give us what the synopsis of uh, River City Drumbeat is all about? Yeah, so River River City Drumbeat is a, a feature documentary film that chronicles uh, the last year of Mr. Ed Nardi White, the founder of River City Drum Corps, an organization in West Louisville that has been saving the lives of kids, uh, underserved uh, kids for decades through music, through cultural arts uh, expression. And so we follow him as he retires and turns the program over to a uh, kid who, uh, whose own life was saved by the program decades ago, Albert Shoemake, uh, and we chronicle uh, that transition. And how did you both get attracted to this pot project? How did you even find out about uh, the River City uh, Drum Corps? And why don't you answer that? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, both Marlon and I have been working filmmakers for a very long time and, and has each separately worked on films about music and community and like the powerful force that music is in the world and how it affects people um so it's kind of funny if you look at our bios like we have a like this parallel path in a way and when we met on a shorts project in miami i think in 2014 or 15 um we just really hit it off and i had we had actually each been doing projects in louisville separately and we i had been working with outley brown who is uh the producer and he is a native of louisville and he um had long been wanting to make 
make a film about the drum corps and Mr. White, who he knew. And um, and so we all were talking and, you know, documentary projects, a lot of things have to align for them to like move forward. And one of them was Mr. White had to be excited to do it uh, with us. And so when I, I think, you know, when he met Marlon and Marlon could talk about this, um, you know, things just really fell into place. And then when Mr. White decided it would be his last year and that he was really leading this organization that he had spent decades building, um, we knew we all had to get into gear and start doing this film. <laughs> so that's kind of the, how it started. Yeah, and one of the great things about uh, that experience was, uh, you know, producer uh, Owsley allowed me to come in uh, and spend a week just exploring and experiencing the organization without any real pressure to uh, create anything per se. I was given a chance to talk and be in the same space with Mr. White and uh, Albert um, and uh, just find who they were as people in the organization without any real pressure. And so it was pretty apparent after that week that it was a beautiful story here that we could tell and allow them to tell that story and we be great listeners and storytellers. It is a beautiful story to tell. And again, um, couldn't be more more timely. You know, I, I as, as you know, I see lots of films and uh, lots of documentaries and some are better than others, but this was so well put together. It was a, a wonderful narrative and follows your the, these Ed, Ed Nardi White, who's extraordinary and has an incredible legacy. And I'm sure it was difficult for him to make that decision um, to to retire and who he was going to leave the reins to so this that they could continue with this as i was watching this i mean it's it, and we'll go into it in a deeper level um I couldn't help but think about what's going on in our world today, obviously, with uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, and that these students aren't able to go back to school um, in many, many, many uh, communities across the country and how this would affect these students. And in particular, these students, um, since this documentary is coming out and uh, very soon, it's going to be having a virtual cinema release, which is very exciting. And I just saw today they've added more cities and we'll get into that. How do you think this will affect those students if they're not able to come together and um, and to practice their music and to play their music, which is so essential to them um, and their growth and their development? Um, and you can both answer this question. Um, how do you think this will affect them? Um, I think that you know, it will affect them like it is affecting and will affect many of the youth in our uh, in our, our community. Um, so much of their experience has been um, tied to this sense of legacy and this sense of community, right? And yes. so there is not one particular person that is totally responsible for the success or the failure of these kids. And so now giving the pandemic, that community has been disjointed, um, but they are figuring out ways, like we all are, to um, to create a new type of uh, of community. You know, Mr. Shoemake is, um, you know, we had a conversation with him this morning, and he talked about the virtual nature that the organization is taking on and ways in which they can 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 adapt but to say that anyone has it all figured out <laughs> i think is uh would not be 
telling the total truth. Um, but they're committed and they have a, a, a long legacy to, to, to stand in and um, they're committed to doing so. That's wonderful. That's really, because it's yeah. so important. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like everybody, uh, they're figuring out how to work with Zoom and they are continuing to meet on Zoom um, mm-hmm. and connect kids with arts, culture, and education. This is what Mr. Shemake said this morning. Um, and, you know, uh, both Marlon and I are parents and have children who are, uh, you know, doing remote learning now. And, um, you know, this is what's going on at an immense scale. And it's hitting communities, um, you know, in different ways, depending on where you are on the socioeconomic scale, you know. Exactly. And so many so it's, of these- it's imperative for, for, for this community to continue to get, you know, uh, education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and, you know, this program, it's but over, it, Mr. Uh, White started it, what, over 30, 30 years ago? He and his wife started this yes. program and, yes. and yeah. yes, Zambia. And, and she was beautiful. She was just beautiful. Such a precious soul, beautiful yeah. uh, woman inside of that. So you inspiring. just feel her spirit. Yes. Her spirit was just definitely throughout this film. How, um, it's because they've helped a lot of students who with the system, you know, <laughs> systemic racism that we have going on and the generational socioeconomic, um, circumstances, um, that they were able to through their mentorship and helping these students students with this program. Music is so healing for so many, but this particular, what they do is um, bringing them back to the art and cultural traditions of their African ancestors, which, you know, many people um, might be surprised that that's where, that, how this started and how it got directed. Can you talk a little bit more about how they chose to to do it that way rather than the traditional, you know, drum corps that we all know and love? How about you, Marlon, answer that question? You can you answer that? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, for, you know, I think that uh, Zambia was really the catalyst to uh, recognize that uh, the traditions, the African traditions, were um, paramount in guiding and shaping the program. She introduced Mr. White to a lot of the African traditions early on, and that really was a guiding force in shaping how he re-envisioned his own history, how he re-envisioned direction he wanted to go in and so um that was uh very much a driving force and implying those principles uh, to the program and so um he even says in it you know our culture is going to be our savior and that um was uh just easy to uh to wrap his head around once he understood it uh wholly and completely and applying it to these generations yeah and yeah. i would add to that that you know in in the film albert talks about how when he was a young child, 9, 10, 11, he was learning about the history, you know, African-American history and and the impact on the world and this country. And that's what Mr. White um, introduced him to as a child, which made all the difference in the way that he saw himself 
in in this society. And um, I think that's what the drum corps is trying to do. They're trying, and, and it's so interesting that right now everybody's talking about this, how important mm-hmm. African American history is. You know, that they yes. were doing it. You know, for years and years. Um, and and they were on that path and creating the, the you know they they have this huge tree in the film, right? You see by the drum corps, and, mm-hmm. and they used to talk about this tree as you know you have your roots, and then you have the fruits of the tree, which are you know the kids that are being nourished by the tree, and it's very metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it is. It is. Um, I, the music, the score. I have to talk about the score um, because that was just beautiful. Well, you know, it's just it was a great um, juxtaposition. It was a, to yes. the uh, to the you know to the River City uh, core, a drum beat core. I mean, it was just um, very interesting. I mean, tell me, let's talk a little bit about that. Even yeah. when you can answer this, because I thought um, uh, your it's a tough your composer, thing, right? yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, B. Quincy <laughs> Griffin, yeah, he was he was amazing. I love that music. Talk a little bit how you attracted him to this. To yeah, I'm always I, I love well. I love that you're noticing that because it, it is a a tough thing to compose the score for a movie about drumming, right? You know, right. Um, and where there is a lot of drumming in the film that is very exciting, you know, and then we also, you know, have this score that kind of brings it all together. And this so. Quincy Griffin is here in um, in the East Bay, and um, I, you know, he he has worked on a lot of documentary films. He's really a wonderful musician and artist, and he had worked on the Bayard Rustin film um, and many other films that have powerful scores. And so um, that's how we connected with him. And he when he saw the film, he just had an amazing response to the film, and really understood it at a very spiritual level and I think that's and then of course we worked with him along the way um and you know it it is a beautiful juxtaposition as you it really carries the spirit of the film through it does. It truly does, and it, it, yeah, it's just, it, it's just beautiful. I would love to get the. I uh, hope they release. Uh, I hope you release a uh, <laughs> the music <laughs> from, ah, this, nice from it. <laughs> it was great. We've never been asked that. That's interesting. We we'll have to think about that. And if, uh, if oh yeah, well, Quincy, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I really, idea. yeah. I think it, you know a CD of of all of it. You know the the whole. You know, with it, I mean, it's just because it's so uplifting. I mean, this movie yeah. is uplifting, but it's. And, it, and it's being uplifting and inspiring. Also, it, it shows you everything that these students go through um, and have gone through. And certainly, um, Mr. White Story uh, and his wife, uh, uh, Nambia, I'm sorry, Nardia, yeah, yeah. Um, Nambia, I'm sorry, I've just lost that for Zambia. a second. Zambia. Zambia, I'm sorry. I'm looking Zambia. for something else yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> Zambia. Starting this program. And, and a little, tell us a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about Albert. Um, how do you spell, say his last name? Shamak? Shumake? Uh, Shumake. Shumake. Okay, just like it's written. Shumake. Um, how was he chosen by Mr. White to be his successor and why? You know, it's funny is we, we talked about this um, a, a, a 
quite a bit. He was not actually necessarily Mr. White's first choice. And he said this, it's on record. I don't have to reveal anything that hasn't been said. But um, what he did say is that Albert always stuck around. He was always by his side as a young kid. Um, and he always saw, Mr. White saw a little bit of Albert in himself. And so uh, as he grew into his own, um, he was consistent in being around and being there. And eventually when Albert was in a position, he asked to come back. It was only fitting that he was the one that could carry on the legacy in the film. Uh, it is very difficult for Mr. White or whomever it is so to, to let go. But at some point, he does realize that program is in good hands and that Albert was indeed the right fit for the handoff. When did this transition take place? Has it just been recent or did it happen like a year or so? <laughs> I think it, is it still ongoing? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we no, have filmed. I'm, I'm no, no, it's so fun. Their relationship is, is lovely um, and complex. And I, I love the way you said, Marlon, about how I really feel Mr. White saw self Albert and kind of nourished him the way that he wished that he had been nourished as an yes. artist, as a child, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and and Albert rose to that occasion, and and really he, Mr. White, talks about Albert as like the living proof of the program, you know. And mm -hmm. then, but then to hand over the leadership is, is very difficult for any founder of like a sort of, you know, grassroots organization that's been built by hand, you know, um, and but Mr. White really needed to lay this burden down. He really did. And he really wanted to go on and pursue making art himself, mm -hmm. which is what he is doing now. Um, and, and just, you know, move to the next chapter of his life. He, he desperately wanted to do that. And so I think he was also very grateful for Albert step up to that because it's actually very difficult to, to fill those shoes, you know, for mm -hmm. anybody. And I think we see this in a lot of small grassroots organizations that it's very hard for them to continue after the founder has left. So, um, so we were really interested in that exploration of leadership and, you know, stepping into a legacy like that at a very everyday level. You know, these are yeah. not famous people. These are just regular people who are doing extraordinary things, you know, in in their community. And we wanted to really show that and also show the parents that are involved in the group. And, you know, that whole group works on parents helping, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and it, it's not a competition model. It's it's like a community model, you know, mm -hmm. and this, these are all things that that we felt should be talked about <laughs> and, yes. seen and felt and and like you don't see this a lot you know mm -hmm. you don't see this presented a lot no, and you that don't. was one of the difficulties as, story as storytellers is that we were telling the story like Anne said of you know ordinary ordinary folks uh no one's famous and it's not a particularly you know it's not a, a historical event wrapped around it it's not competition but it is Every bit as important as any famous person uh, doing the work that they do. And that's why I love these kinds of stories, you know, these uh, mm -hmm. unsung heroes that there's so yeah. many um, and so many different communities doing wonderful things. But particularly this yeah. community and, and and this community was rocked by, um, you know, this is interesting. This this is where Brianna Taylor was um, shot by police in Louisville. Um, mm -hmm. How has that had any kind of effect at all on on this 
uh, on this movie in any way. I mean, I, did that, that happened after this movie was completed, I'm assuming. But in the rolling out of this film, has there been more, even more interest in it because of everything that's going on in our world right now? With, you know, Floyd, you know, with George Floyd yeah. and yeah. Brianna yeah. Taylor and uh, Ahmaud Army, uh, Arby. We can, we can go on and on with the different names that are out there today. But has the film, has, have things, has it been more receptive because of what's going on? Yeah, I would say that it has been. I think that people who may have um, taken a pass at it, like so many other things, um, really are taking a second look at it and seeing it for its prophetic uh, nature. And um, that's been really profound. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do feel like what what's changed is that I mean, all of these killings were going on for years, as you know, as everybody yes. knows, and 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 all of and now there's like this huge paradigm shift that's occurring. And this film was filmed in 2016 and 2017, and a little bit, you know, it basically covers Mr. White's last year. And it's all about like the, you know, these people's real lives, you know, and, um, and all of a sudden, a lot more people are interested in that, I would say, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's sort of, um, and then, and then, yeah, I think people sort of were thinking about these stories as, I mean, when, I guess when I say people, I mean, you know, we're talking about like, mainstream white community might have thought that these stories were not maybe as important as they are. Mm -hmm. And yes. now people are super interested in, in learning about the lives of their fellow citizens. Yeah. And I think also that the film brings a certain level of humanity to people in the community that is so often overlooked Mm -hmm. um, or so often framed in a certain way. And um, we've, we've tried our best to uh, reimagine, to, to, to have people reimagine uh, folks in this community and um, the parallels in their own lives to these people uh, and the same wants, desires, and fears uh, rest in all of us. Yeah. And, and also I just to add on like the, you know, navigating the systemic forces that everybody is talking about right now is kind of what is going on in terms of the context of the lives of the film, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, um, it would, you know, especially people who are not familiar, you know, with these concepts would, I think, hopefully, connects with the people in the film. Yes, there's been a collective consciousness of awakening that has taken place. Um, and the pandemic and um, all of the things that are going on in our country and the world, not just in our country, but other countries, too. I think there's just a, 
it's it's a new beginning. It's uh, we're we're all you know looking at things differently. And uh, at 2020, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> 2020, 2020 vision. Yeah. Yes, 2020 vision, clear vision. Well, thank you both so much. This movie is going to roll out in virtual cinema um, starting August 7th. Uh, through what the 21st, I believe, and um, it's in all kinds of cities. There is Austin and Nashville, Baton Rouge, Cleveland, Columbus, Iowa City, Winston-Salem, and many, many more. So um, I, I wish you much success with this. I know you're going to be rolling it out. It's just a, such a wonderful, uh, the message of this movie of, of music and love and, um, and legacy, and it is a powerful antidote to the hatred that has gone on far too long. So uh, thank you both for being on the show. It's such a pleasure. And uh, and I wish you much, much success. Thank, thank you very you so much. much. We're so You're, happy to be here. You're very, very welcome. All right. Take care. You too. You too. If you've missed any of the Jam Price shows all about movies, you can go to the Jam Price show dot com and listen to the archived shows there. You can also uh, go on to the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and uh, please go to the Jam Price Show on Facebook and like the Jam Price Show and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Jam Price Show. Thank you all for listening. On Power Talk AM fourteen sixty and FM one hundred one point one, streaming worldwide on iHeart Radio. Jam Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.